0: excited to get into Philippians again? Yes, Yes, that's what I like. Um, Oh, oh, they want to see me. Uh, (laughs) It's fine. Um, One of the things that I love about the Bible is that sometimes you find that the same passage can speak to um, people experiencing almost opposite things. Um, Like you can find like like one thing that is said can speak into like such different um, types of human experience. And I think the passage we are looking at today is one of those ones. So there are two broad groups of people that I think some of us might be able to relate to, find ourselves in, that I think... Um, the bit in Philippians we're looking at today is particularly helpful for um, the first group of people um, are those that are like super motivated, love to make progress and achieve things um, and like see like what they've achieved, um, who delight in pursuit and just need something worth pursuing. The second group of people is the one I think I find myself in more, um, who maybe struggle to be motivated at all. Um, where sometimes getting through even just the day feels like hard work um, and nothing is enough to get them excited or motivated. I think what we're looking at today can speak to both groups of people, which is fun because they're opposites. Um, so we're going to get into it. It is Philippians chapter three. We're looking at verses 12 to 21. So get out your Bible and follow along if you'd like. Um, and where we're picking up, Paul is sort of actually in the middle of a thought, um, And he's just been talking about sharing in Christ's suffering that he may attain the resurrection from the dead. And he goes on to say, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do Is in heaven, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Yes, Hallelujah, Lee, I'm with you. (laughs) Um, We've had a bit of a break from um, Philippians, so before we go on too much further. I just want to reflect and remind us of what we've seen so far from the letter of Philippians. Um, we've seen that it is a, so it's a letter that Paul is sending while under house arrest um, to a church that he helped establish in Greece um, in a place called Philippi. And it is a letter of friendship um, and care and like pastoral concern for the church. It's a letter of encouragement. Um you'll see him often telling them to stand firm and hold together um, and to cling to Christ. And it's a letter where it really seems that Paul can't help but be overcome by Jesus like every few verses. (laughs) Um, He starts by talking about how his whole identity is being a slave to Christ. There's that beautiful bit in chapter 2 where he's... um, gives us that like hymn of who Jesus is, um, how humble and kind he is, talks of how he's emptied himself, um, died for us, redeemed and rescued us, and now is seated with all authority and rule and reign. He is king over earth right now, and one day every knee will bow at his name. Paul has talked about how he is the word of life for us to To. Paul has talked about how all else is loss for him compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. It's a good letter. If you are listening to some of that though, and you feel like maybe you've not really understood the full measure of who Christ is, um, like your image of him maybe is patchy (laughs) at best. if you know that the reality of knowing him hasn't like fully permeated all of who you are yet, don't worry, because that's just what Paul is saying he is experiencing at the beginning of this passage. Um, he knows that there is more for him to experience in Jesus. He knows that he hasn't already obtained all that there is. He actually knows that he's not going to obtain all of it while he's on earth, but he is going to press on to get more and more and more from Jesus. It's because he knows that he's not already living in the fullness of Christ, that he wants to press on, that he sees that there is a need for it. And so, if we find ourselves failing and falling and slipping, we can have a tendency sometimes, can't we, to just become discouraged. We are a people generally that if we see that there's a long way still for us to go, our tendency is to not want to do it. <laughs> um, Paul is encouraging us here. If that is you failing and falling and slipping and not yet grasping all of Christ, it's okay. Press on. Keep going. Take another step. Paul talks about how he is able to press on in chapter 12. No, verse 12. <laughs> um, he's able to press on because he knows who he belongs to. And he knows by whose power he is held. He says... I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I think those are some of the sweetest words I've ever heard. (laughs) I love the intimacy of them. I love that he's not, in this instance, talking really broadly of Christ Jesus has made us as the church as his own, although that is true. But he's talking about himself, how he is seen and known by the king. If you are in Christ today, it is because he has seen you and known you and chosen to make you his own. All efforts towards your salvation and sanctification, every act of worship, every work of love, every word of praise, you do because Christ has chosen to make you his own. He has chosen to reveal himself to you, chosen to die in your place, chosen to give you the place of honor that only he deserves. If you love him at all, it's because his faithful hand has led you to this point. I just want to read those words in Isaiah, at the beginning of Isaiah 43, over us again. Um, like, hear these for yourself. He says to you, fear not for." I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. It's from this context of inexpressible grace that Paul presses on to claim the victory that Christ has won for him. And because of Christ's work, there is now no chance that if Paul presses on and finishes the race, that he won't be allowed to claim his prize Like, Jesus has won it for him already. Jesus has won for him resurrection life. Jesus has won for him an intimacy where he knows his love face to face. The intimacy and holiness that Paul was made for will be his. He isn't pressing on because he doesn't know what awaits him. He's pressing on in joy because he is convinced of what will be his if he does. It's a bit like the holidays that I used to go on as a kid. <laughs> Bear with me. Um, we always went on holiday in the UK, um, and normally we would be going to like, the coast to the sea. And we used to play that game when we were getting near where we'd see who would be the first person to see the sea. And if you were the first person to see the sea, you'd say that classic line, I can see the sea. Um, and I remember that excitement as a child, like, building up, like, staring out the window, seeing those bits of sky and being like, maybe it's the sea. It was never the sea. It was always just the sky. Um, but at no point was I wondering if when we got to the end of, or, like, got to the coast, got to the place we were going on holiday, whether the sea would actually be there. Um I wasn't wondering if it would be there or not. I knew what we were headed towards. We weren't just driving around aimlessly, hoping to bump into the sea. The whole reason we were going where we were going was because we knew what awaited us there. That's why we went. But if we hadn't pressed on, to use Paul's language, if we'd tried to go on holiday, gotten halfway and then stopped and given up, we never would have got there. Not because the sea wouldn't be there for us, not because it's not th- like the sea wouldn't have disappeared. But if we stop, if we give up, if we turn back, we're just not going to see what our like, goal and prize is. But if we are followers of Jesus, we can be just as confident as I was as a child <laughs> um, in seeing the sea of what our destination is. So what do we do? We press on <laughs> towards the goal and we hold true to what we have attained. Because this is where my analogy falls short a little bit. Um, Is we're not just waiting in a car for a final destination at the end. We have been seated with Christ in heavenly realms now. We have been um, put into intimate relationship with Jesus now. We have been given his spirit as a down payment of what is to come. Our invitation is to journey deeper into the heart of Christ every day. The things of heaven that we are already enjoying. Relationship with Christ, increasing knowledge and wisdom and love. Hold to these. Every step you make towards Him cannot be wasted. Every movement you make deeper into His heart of love will lead you more fully into life. But be careful to keep pressing on to what lies ahead. Because even though in him is life and light and goodness and joy, the human heart is easily distracted and easily deceived. Paul warns us in verses 18 and 19 of the dangers of having our eyes set on earthly things, earthly pleasures and delights and comfort. Because if our goal is to be comfortable and happy on earth, And we're going to look more and more at how to fulfill those goals and aims. And the result will be we look less and less to the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul is like really stark in his description of people who are fixing their eyes on earthly things. He talks about them as being enemies of the cross of Christ. He talks about how their inevitable end is destruction. But then he goes on and he says that we are citizens of heaven. I'm going to stop there and um, talk about Philippi for a little bit because I think that sometimes we misunderstand what Paul means there when he says that we're citizens of heaven. Because remember, Paul is writing to a Roman colony in Greece. And the goal of those um, that Roman colony in Greece, wasn't to one day get to Rome. It wasn't like we're living and we know that any day now we'll be called home to Rome. No, this was their home. This is where they were. And instead of waiting to go to Rome, they lived in a Roman way where they were. They spoke the language of Rome. They um, lived out the culture and the customs um, of Rome. They worshipped the things of Rome. Um, And if there was uh, like an invading army or um, threat, they would have looked to Rome to come and establish peace for them, hold peace for them, come and fight for them and protect them. This is what Paul is describing when he says that we are citizens of heaven. That though we are on earth, we get to speak the languages of heaven, enjoy the customs and the cultures and the worship of heaven here And as our eyes get fixed on heavenly things, we look to our saviour, Christ Jesus, to come and establish peace for us and look after us here and meet all of our needs. Thank goodness we are not looking to Caesar to ensure our needs are met. What's he going to do? We are looking to the saviour from heaven. The thing is, either we are awaiting our saviour from heaven And looking to Him to meet all of our needs, or trying to fulfill our own desires on earth, and we can't do both. Jesus actually gives us the same warning in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. Gold star, if you remember this from our Sermon on the Mount series, by the way. Um, In Matthew chapter 6, he says that no one can serve two masters, for either He will hate the one and love the other. Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus sets the same thing before us that Paul does. Either we are fixed on the heavenly things, on our God and our Savior, or we are fixed on earthly things and comforts and money. We can't be fixed on both. But what I find really interesting and fun is that Jesus goes on to give us the same comfort that Paul does. His like very next point as he's doing the Sermon on the Mount is that bit where he's reassuring us of our father looking after us. He says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For The Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I love how Paul and Jesus set up their argument really similarly here of like, we are either looking to God or we are looking to earthly things. But looking to heavenly things and trusting God with ourselves doesn't mean that our needs aren't going to be met. But it means that rather than be met by the things of earth... Our God in heaven will come and look after us. Our God in heaven will come and meet all our needs. Christians aren't all just masochists that are trying to like endure the most suffering that they possibly can. We look to heaven because we know that that is where our saviour is coming from. That is where our provision and our peace is coming from. But I think Paul is repeating this warning because it is a real danger to us. <laughs> and actually, particularly us here now. We live in a place where we are very used to comfort and earthly pleasures. They are all around us. And I think for most of us, we don't cope that well when really like, like earthly comforts that we don't need are taken from us. It is something that I think a lot of us struggle with, and this is really a danger for us because we can so easily become distracted and start to fix our eyes a bit too much on the things that we are enjoying around us. We are surrounded by people who live like their God is their belly and that living a happy and comfortable life is the highest priority. Paul would say that these are people who are walking as enemies to the cross. The Philippian church was actually similarly surrounded They, like I said, would have been in a society that would have been happily worshipping the emperor um, of Rome and experiencing the benefits of Roman citizens. And the church itself there would have been facing opposition from every single side. Um, Opposition from the society they lived in. Opposition from others coming in who claim to be from the church that Paul kind of hints about throughout this letter. This is a church experiencing opposition. And now they hear that one of the like, fathers of their faith, Paul, is in prison, in chains, waiting to find out whether he's going to live or die. It's understandable here if they're starting to feel a bit discouraged. If they're starting to feel like, actually, the, the life that everyone else is living looks a bit more attractive, they look more comfortable, like, this looks like it's hard. And so Paul writes to them and he now comforts them. And he says, like, yes, your Savior will meet all of their needs and give them a heart that can rejoice now. But he also tells them, look ahead. Because the life that we are awaiting, the life that they are awaiting, is infinitely better than any comfort or joy that the world could offer them now. This is why Paul talks so fervently about forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what is ahead. It's because he knows what's ahead. Complete union with Christ, living inside of love himself. The day when the whole world will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of our God as water covers the sea. There is a good day coming. <laughs> Do you have that confidence? Because you're really going to struggle to forget what is behind and strain forward to what is ahead if you are not confident <laughs> about what is ahead. Um, one of the things that if you know me, you might have heard me talk about is FOMO, I which is a fear of missing out. It is something that I really struggle with to quite a ridiculous degree. And God is helping me. Um, I still struggle. One absolutely ridiculous example (laughs) is I was, I can't even remember when it was. Semi-recently, I was walking along a like quite crowded street with a friend. (laughs) It's ridiculous. There was a railing along it, and I was on one side of the railing. My friend ended up on the other side of the railing. We're just walking along it. Genuinely, my thought was: what if their side's better than mine? What if they're having a better experience than me walking on that side of the railing? Like, what? I am seated in the heavenly places with Christ, and I'm worrying about what side of a railing I'm going to stand on, because I'm worried I'm going to miss out. Like, I was like a child. (laughs) Um, But one of the things that I um, used to really feel like I was missing out on was traveling the world. Because as I mentioned, um, all of my holidays as a child were all in the UK. And they were really good holidays. Go, don't get me wrong. I had a lovely time with my family. But I've only actually left this island that we're on one time. And it was to go to Central Asia. And it was not a holiday. You can ask me about it later if you're interested. Um but I used to see pictures of my friends going on these like, beautiful holidays, exploring stunning parts of the world and, and like, experiencing what it seemed to me to be like some of the majesty and glory of God's creation. And I felt like I was missing out on this like fun, like pleasurable thing that w- was here for me on earth. So one day I was, it's a while ago, I'm assuming I must have been praying, but it's also like, well possible that God just spoke to me out of the blue because he's nice like that. Um, But he spoke to me quite clearly and he said, listen, you will have all of eternity to explore the new heavens and the new earth with me. Guys, I'm going to have all of eternity to explore the new earth with the one that I love in its fully glorified state as it was intended to be. To be honest, I have no idea what that's going to look like. I don't know, like, obviously the things of eternity elude us. I don't know exactly what that will be. But I know that I am excited. And I know that he has shattered my fear of missing out on exploring the world. And actually, that's made me free to not try and save all my money to go on lots of holidays. It's made me free to spend more of my money where he would have me spend it, spend my time as he would have me spend it, and to go where he would have me go. It's actually freed me to be able to pursue him in ways that I would have struggled to do if I was always feeling like I was missing out. What a kind king. He knows what the human heart is like and that there are things that we crave. He could just dismiss them all and be like, oh, you don't need that. You, need like you only need me. And that's true. But instead of dismissing us, he promises us that every good thing that we long for will be fulfilled eternally in him. One of my favorite quotes is by C.S. Lewis. Um, it's really, really simple. And it just says that there are far, far better things ahead. Than any we leave behind. Don't you want to press on to that? Don't you want to know what it, it really is to live your life pursuing Jesus? Don't you want your goals for this year to be the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, rather than a diet or a weight loss scheme, or I don't know, reading more. Reading more is good. All of these things are good, but. Don't don't you want your goals to be set on things that are eternal? If you are looking for something worth pursuing this year, or even if you are just looking for a reason to get out of bed this year, then come and imitate Paul in pursuing Christ. Through suffering and pain and into eternal life, make your goal this year delving deeper into the heart of the one who loves you. Our invitation this year and today is to come further up, come further in. That is also a C.S. Lewis quote if you missed it. <laughs> um, did the band want to come back up? Um, we are going to finish in just a moment. Um, as Duncan said, we would really love to make some time to respond and we'd love to pray for some people. Um, I particularly would love to pray for for People in those first few groups that I mentioned at the beginning, if you are um, somebody that really wants to have a more heavenly perspective for the things that you are pursuing this year, I'd love to pray for you. And if you're somebody who is struggling to pursue anything at the moment, struggling to be motivated or excited for anything at the moment, I'd really love to pray for you too. Um so we're going to sing a song. And while we do that, you can have a think about whether you want to come up for prayer for those things or for what Lee brought earlier or cause there's, there's no restrictions. If you would like to come up for prayer, you can. Um, so we're going to sing a song and then Duncan's going to come and lead us in that time in a moment.